0: Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walcheff with Cali Comfort Barbecue. I'm with my man Derek Marceau above the butcher shop at Valley Farm Market. And we are here today with the people's champion of the <laughs> Turf and Surf Barbecue Championship. Yeah, man, it's, it's awesome to,
1: to bring out Dan from uh, Encinitas Barbecue Company in the corner draft house. Um, and a fellow K-State alumni go cats yeah. Yeah. Not that's not right very many that. K-State.
0: k-state flag in here yeah
1: not very many k-state uh, alumni are out here in san diego so it's a rare breed it's pretty awesome um but yeah i mean it's it's cool we're double dipping into a podcast this week because i will be gone for the next um i don't know i honestly have i have no idea when i'm coming back i do not have a return flight from alaska um, i don't
0: know if that worries me more or your wife more because I will come and get you if I have to. <laughs> no,
1: it's it's been, I mean, I do this every year, though. I mean, I besides last year, I always, uh, I'm doing my annual hunting trip. I go up to my, I have a cabin out in Alaska, go out there and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, you know, we get out there, season opens on the 8th. I'll get out there on Tuesday, set up, and we go out uh, about 300 miles from the cabin and go hunt and stalk some, some moose. And, you know, it could be season opens on the 8th. I could have one on the 8th. Um, it's never happened that I actually get a moose on opening day. Um, so I don't count on that, but you know, we're, we're pretty excited. I'm excited to get out there. Like I was just saying before the podcast, I don't think I've ever felt more alive than I do when I'm in when I'm in, uh, Alaska, it's uh, just something that, you know, you kind of decompress a little bit, turn your phone off this year. I'm taking a satellite phone that I'll be able to call my wife just to check up, um, every night, but it's just, you know, know that, uh, you're always doing something with your phone you're always so put it away go out in the wilderness cut down some trees make some campfires build a tree stand do stuff and it's a uh, very very liberating to actually get out there and do it so i'm, I'm excited i uh, i always ground myself and find myself even more when i'm out there I'm, I'm very uh you know secure in in talking to myself in my own head so it, uh, <laughs> it helps me helps me grow You know, I think some people get so scared of themselves, and they don't want to be alone. And um, I'm okay with it. I I, I like it, and it helps me uh, reflect on who I am, and it only makes me a better person. So
0: I'm I'm really happy that you're doing it. I know for Rosie and I, we went out to Alaska to visit um, one of our good friends, Pete Caltag over in Anchorage, and it's just such a beautiful place. And exactly what you said, to enjoy the wilderness and to enjoy the beauty without the chaos. I mean, we live in chaos. We create chaos by Putting on events, by running businesses, by doing what we do, and as much as we love doing that, it is good to decompress. And I know that uh, when you do come back, you'll you'll be all fired up to uh, get back after it. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm, we'll we'll see when I do come back. Hopefully, it's uh, hopefully I'm only out there for like a week and a half. A week and a half's good.
2: How old is your n- new baby? Uh, good question. Three months. God bless your wife. Yeah, yeah. God bless your wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Three months. If I, if I told my wife I was going to go wander around the Alaskan wilderness for a couple of weeks and leave her at home alone with a three-month-old baby, you I don't could know if there'd ahead, be a leave, you leave home your to come ring, back to. Leave your wedding ring
0: right on the, on
2: the nightstand. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, it was – I
1: to, I mean I'll even talk about it. I, I was telling my wife um, a week ago that I, I was having second thoughts about going and I was having a lot of anxiety. I don't get anxiety very often but I was having a lot of anxiety going um, – and she was just very open and talked to me, kind of talked about it. And she just said, you deserve to go. I think you should go You're It's uh, something that you love and it's a, a purity that you have. And, and I don't want to keep that from you. And I want you to go enjoy that. Cause I think, I mean, she didn't say this, but I think I'm a lot better person when I come back. Um, so she's probably thinking that's, like, "That's kind of what she, meant. Please, yeah." Please go, Get the fuck uh, out. yeah, find it. Um, but you know, she's she's awesome. She she understands it. She understands what I need to do to to find myself and do those things. Um, yeah, I got a four year old, a two year old, and a three month old. And wow. you know, yeah. they obviously they'll be going to school. And you know, it's my three month old. He's going to be going to daycare um, for the first time next Tuesday. So that's going to be kind of an emotional day for my wife. It's our last kid that we're going to have. And, you know, she's, it's her last time on maternity leave. So it's, uh, she was already texting me this morning. She's having a little, you know, emotional time about it. Sure. and Which is, which is uh, fair. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. So it, I, I chose not to leave early on the 4th so I can help her with the
2: kids, take them to school. And then
1: I, I leave right after that. She's going to take me nice. to the airport and
2: head on out, man. Good planning. That work life balance is hard man it's really hard to set that time aside for yourself where you can really find your center and remember what you're passionate about and focus on relationships that are important to you and just drown out all the background noise Sure well sometimes you just have to reflect
1: I don't think a lot of people do that it's your go 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 all the time I'm and I'm I'm very capable of doing that I I don't stop. I'll continue to go. I will push. I'll knock down a wall. I just go. And these little trips for me are, um, you know, I only do it once a year. And, but they're very, very gratifying for for my soul. And I mean, I don't want to get too deep and make people feel all weird like I'm, but it's truly something that I I really, really enjoy. And I I find myself and um, I find out what I'm doing wrong and I figure out how to fix it. And I write all the time when I'm out there so it's it's pretty cool. Like I said I'm I'm really excited to do it. I'm a little nervous with with the 3 month old and my wife
2: but We'll, uh, we'll get through it.
1: But on a lighter note, let's get to this fucking barbecue, man. Thanks for yeah. coming out to the event. This is your second year or third
2: year? Yeah, th- this is my second year at Del Mar. Okay. Um, I competed three times when the competition was up in Dana Point. Okay. Uh, before,
0: I, I don't Arlie, know that. Arlie ran that Arley ran yeah. that comp, yeah. Unfortunately, that's no longer a contest up in Dana Point. Is that right? Yeah, I Dana wasn't Point sure. Dana Point and Long Beach are no longer contests Um which is one of the things we do talk about. Yeah, it's, it's tough to get venues to buy into the KCBS contest. Sure. It's a lot of moving parts. So.
2: Yeah, and how do you make it a spectator event, right? Yes. I mean, how do you draw the crowds? Because that's really the, the, the main goal, right? I mean, is to get people to experience fantastic barbecue and get excited about barbecue. But how do you draw the, the masses, right? right? How do you yep. appeal to the Instagram crowd? How do you you know Correct. get people interested? How do you capture their attention?
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's one of the hard things that we have to you know make sure we do with this year when it was a little bit different. How we had you had to buy tickets to get in. Right, As an all you can eat event. That's one of the hurdles that we ran into. It's like how do you get them to really be excited about an all you can eat event? Um, we talked about it, but it's uh, Gene and, and Arlie were saying that it's never been done before. An all you can eat barbecue event for KCBS has never. Where it's
0: exclusively—that's the only way you can come to the event. Right. Like and. there's events where you can buy all you can eat as like a VIP package of the event. Hmm. But this is where the only way to get into the event is to buy an all you can eat. And, you know, for Derek and I, it's looking at contests. Yeah, it might not have been done in KCBS. But if you look across food events in San Diego, food events in California, like $40 ticket for all you can eat championship barbecue, seafood, desserts and five craft beers. I mean, fuck, that's an amazing smoking that's an deal. It's an
2: amazing price. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been to plenty of, you know, beer festivals yeah. or bacon festivals or burger festivals. I've worked at them and I've gone as a spectator and I can't think of a single one that you get that much for $40. Right. Yeah. I and mean, and and you guys did such a great job of assembling the people that are kind of the big players in the barbecue world in San Diego you know you had Andy Harris out there with Grand Needle Sodder Barbecue you had Corbin you had Coop you know I mean we had Chef Hannes Hannes
0: came out there from Pioneer yeah it was that that's a that's a testament to the West Coast barbecue movement to be honest with you and like that's one of the things that excites Derek and I the most is having someone like you who's a restaurateur Mm -hmm. you know owning Corner Draft House which I mean that blew my mind that you guys have probably the most exciting restaurant in Bankers Hill, which is where me and my wife live. And I've watched you guys open up, had no idea it was you, had no idea you were into (laughs) barbecue. But you guys have this thriving business. And then to know that you guys not only come out to compete in Del Mar, but you buy into the people's choice, you know, the PC side of not only competing in the KCBS, the Kansas City Barbecue Society, the contest, but then doing all the extra parts that it takes to put on an event so that we're not Dana Point, so that we're not Long Beach. You know we want to continue to grow this thing, and the only way to do it is to find people like you.
1: Yeah, but we almost didn't fucking let him in this year <laughs> because
0: of last year's debacle. What happened last year? This motherfucker brought a keg. Oh, I
2: don't know if that was ever proven You tried, tried to turn it, turn it into a beer house.
0: I didn't know if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> I guess it's behind the smoke. This is he behind, behind fucking lies. I thought, I thought know, we forgot really about that. that. No, yeah, it was, uh, keg stands on the fucking school bus. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, so Tabir uh, wasn't really down with that No,
1: it's, it's, hard. it's hard as an organizer to I mean, I wanted to get in there and have fun with them too But it was like, fuck, we can't, we can't be doing this But it's, it's really cool like he Like Sean alluded to To see someone that has so much going on And wants to be a part of this And then does it at a very high level you know, you guys did an amazing job to be able to put out that type of people's choice stuff. People fucking dug it. And you guys fucking won people's choice. I mean, how cool is that for you guys to, to be able to hang that on your hat and say, hey, we did this?
2: Man, it was a great feeling. You know, I I I was able to assemble a group of friends and family this year that really carried a lot of weight and a lot of water. I mean, it was to feed that many people. And, you know, you you look. we were looking around that parking lot of all, all the other teams doing people's choice and the majority of them they have big, you know, catering trailers or lots of big gear. And we didn't. I mean, you know, we were serving out of chafing dishes and Mm -hmm. and really hustling to get that done. But and, you know, with my background, I'm a I'm a classically trained chef. So I don't you know, when when it comes to food, I take it very seriously. And, you know, I'm not going to put out a product that I'm not completely satisfied with. And we we really did buy into it. You know, we said, all right, if we're going to do this. I want to do barbecue tri tip. We're going to serve it with beans or coleslaw. We're going to do sliders you know we're gonna do ribs we're gonna go for it we're you Mm -hmm. know we're not just gonna play it safe and and do you know a small portion it's like i I want people to really come out here and have a great experience and get excited about memorable because i'm excited about it yeah i mean that's that's really what it comes down to i've i've been doing competition barbecue since i was 16 years old kansas city barbecue society sanctioned events you know growing up in kansas city you go to barbecue competitions that's what you do my grandma you born born in kansas yeah born and raised in kansas city wow yeah one of the biggest barbecue competitions, I believe, still in the country, the Lenexa barbecue, the great Lenexa barbecue battle, uh, which has been going on forever. I mean, since I think the 70s, it started uh, my backyard growing up, backed up to the park where they no hold way.
0: that barbecue competition. So You're smelling the barbecue in the crib. Oh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah.
2: Legitimately. I mean, I, I remember as a very young child going down to that barbecue competition and running around and a couple of my uncles would be competing in it, our neighbors or whoever. And then. And then I started competing in it when I was 18, uh, with some friends of mine. Uh, my my best friend's older brother got this huge smoker off this guy out of Texas. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing, but we, we went drove out. down there.
0: to Texas to pick it up. Uh, yeah.
2: A friend did. Yeah, a friend did nice. Yeah, got to have good friends. Huge smoker. I mean, truck, it, truck friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there's plenty of those in Kansas. Derek, Derek knows that. Absolutely. It's not a dually. It's not a truck. Right. right. Um. So you know, we, and there, man, the, the talk about trial and error. I mean, we cooked some absolutely horrible barbecue. It was, it was about drinking beer as much as it was about. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, apparently, that hasn't changed. That <laughs> <much>. <laughs> you, ain't lying. you ain't lying. But yeah, I mean, we we really man, we made a lot of mistakes early on. I I remember one competition we went to. It was the World Pork Expo at the Iowa State Fair and for another friend of a friend we we wanted to cook a whole hog cuz you know our brisket was, was terrible our ribs were terrible might as well try a whole pig right you right, <laughs> sure. can't fuck that up so we go out to my friend's father-in-law's farm and cuz he was like oh yeah come on out i've got he's got a couple hundred pigs he's like you can you can you know we'll give, i'll give you a couple of pigs and right. so we walk out there and we think we're like picking up pigs and we start walking out to the to the pen for my pigs with all the pigs in it and he hands my my buddy's brother a 38 revolver and was like pick a couple out <laughs> we're like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> like, you want me to you want me to shoot a pig that is, I was not mentally prepared for this thing. <laughs>
0: things escalated quickly
2: luckily one of my friends got really excited about it and he had no problem pulling the trigger right so we you know we packed these pigs. that'd be be me (laughs) they you know he quarters one of them for us and then we we let the other one whole you know he just eviscerated it and then we threw we had a couple big coolers and we drove up to the iowa state fairgrounds and cooked a whole hog and part of part of that presentation was the judges were coming around and you had to cut from three different sections of the pig. You had to do like the loin, uh, I think the ham, and the butt, the Boston butt. Mm-hmm. And so these judges are coming around, I think I was like 21 at this time, I was still in college. and But I knew the most, the most about food, I've always been into food. And so I, of course I was nominated out of our group to take these samples from this pig. And I mean, we had the, we had the probe in this pig. It, it was like a 140 pound pig. It was not a little suckling, you know what I right. mean? It, yeah. We had it on there for like 36 hours and it barely temped out, Jesus you know? Christ. And so like these judges walk up and there's like six of them. They're all staring at me with their clipboards, you know, looking down and, and I got this knife and my hands are, sh- my hands are shaking. And then all of a sudden, like, 800 Harley Davidson's go (laughs) roaring right behind the judges. Like the table's vibrating. It's like, you know, rolling thunder going right through. And, and I'm kind of looking up at one of the judges and he's looking at me and I'm like looking at him and I'm like, trying to figure out where the loin is. And like, I put the knife on it and he just he shakes his head. And like, I, move, I move the knife over six inches, shakes his head. No, again, another six inches. And he, he nods. Yes. I was like, Oh my God. Oh, fuck. It was a nightmare.
1: That is pretty hilarious. We, we yeah. run into that here a lot. People don't know where, you know, the anatomy of, of different, different animals. And right. like, man, I never knew that's where that came from. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's uh, you have to see like non-weight bearing muscles are going to be, you know, they're not going to be on the, the shoulder or the butt. You got to find out where that point is. Like, oh my God, yeah. never knew. Or the back strap, you know what? Right. Going hunting, you always have to find your back strap, and that's what that is. So that, that's, that's a hilarious story, man. <laughs> so you did barbecue, and you did KCBS, and you're out in Kansas, and go to K State.
2: Yep, went to K State. And
1: what'd you do at K State?
2: I studied uh, hospitality management business. Sure. So I, I always worked in restaurants. I started working in restaurants when I was 13, washing dishes. Yep. I've held every single position in a restaurant. Coca
1: Bolos or
2: wherever. Did you do anything <laughs> at K State? You know, I actually did a lot of odd jobs at K State. I did. Uh, I worked with the university quite a bit through the hospitality management program. But I was involved. I was involved in the fraternity. I was a, a- ATO Alpha to Omega. I was super involved in that. I was involved in student government. So I. I, had to, I always had a lot going on, so it was really hard for me to kind of hold down a steady job. So I did a lot of odd jobs, a lot of catering, a lot of banquet stuff. Uh, and then after K-State, I, I worked for a little while in Kansas City, and I kind of had itchy feet. I mean, I was looking around at, at a lot of my friends, uh, and I, I, I love Kansas City, but I just kind of wanted more. You know, I, I got to travel a little bit while I was in college. I would barely left the state before that. And, you know, it really opened my eyes going to Chicago, going to New York. And it's like, man, there's a great big world out there. You know, right. I, I tried sushi for the first time when <laughs> I was like 21 in New York on a, a National Restaurant Association trip, you know, nice. and, and it was like, man, I, I, I kind of want to see what else is out there. And, and I, I I kept falling back into food, right? Like I, I, I consider, seriously considered going to culinary school, school instead of going to K-State. And my parents kind of talked me out of it, you know, get a get a regular degree. And if you still want to go, you can go after, you know, after school. Sure. So I started poking around, looking at some programs. Johnson and Wales had just opened a new campus in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they were the only top tier school that had a graduate program, a postgraduate program. You know, I didn't want to go get another associate's degree, which at CIA, at the Culinary Institute of America, all they offered at the time was an associate's or a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. I wanted the next thing. And Johnson and right. Wales offered that. So I, I went, entered that program. And uh the rest is kind of history. I mean, that set me on a totally different trajectory. I I did well in school. I graduated first in my class, first in my program, and so I won an apprenticeship to go work and live in London. Really? So I yeah, so I did that after culinary school. I worked at the Dorchester Hotel, which is one of the best, if not the best, hotels in in London. What and did I, you learn there? Like, <clears throat> did oh you my have God. A, mentor,
0: a mentor there? Somebody that I had you?
2: several. I I had the privilege of. Participating in the opening of a restaurant
0: called Ducasse, which is a, a,
2: operated by a chef named Alain Ducasse, who's he's one of the, I mean, you, depending on who you talk to, top five, top ten chefs in the world. Really, he's got like eighteen Michelin yeah, stars. This <clears throat> this restaurant, uh, we got three Michelin stars our first year, and you know, a kid from Kansas, That's a big grew, deal, grew up on meat and potatoes, yeah. going and experiencing all this stuff. I mean, this was this was back in two thousand six What was your position? Oh, I was. I mean I was yeah. the, the the bottom rung so but it's not about money it wasn't about
0: money yeah.
2: I, I i didn't get paid yeah. i mean it was an unpaid there internship and I, and it, that led to more work but but the um, important
0: thing was working in that i didn't
2: i didn't take a day off the yeah. entire time i Absolutely. was there i just went in and worked Grind. 12 14 16 hour yeah. days and i would do any job that they would let me do you know i mean it wasn't about me or my ego it's like i'm here to learn this right. is this yeah. is my postgraduate graduate school Put me in. right i yeah. mean it's I'll do, Absolutely. I'll peel every vegetable, I'll clean, <clears throat> sure. I'll scrub anything, you know, just teach me, show me what you're doing. Well, that's you know, how, it's,
0: that's how the best hospitality people rise to the top. I mean, you have to yeah. be willing to do it. You have to touch everything. That's, that's right. how you learn. I mean, the same thing happens here. You know, with, <laughs> what Derek, what Derek talks about, what we talk about at the restaurant, if someone's not willing to wash the dishes, chances are they're not going to go very far in the hospitality business.
2: Yeah. That's you know, and it, culinary school was a pretty eye-opening experience for me too. Um, I mean, first being it was a, it was a lot of light bulb moments. I mean, I had always cooked. My parents <laughs> loved to tell the story about how I stayed home sick from school one day, and they came home and I'd baked an apple pie from scratch when I was like eight years old, right? I mean, like, yes. like I've always loved food. Always, I always loved, loved to cooking. Eat. <laughs> I didn't <know>. love <laughs> to cook so much. I love to <laughs> eat. Know. I come from this massive Irish Catholic family in, in Kansas. My mom had seven sisters and one brother. My dad had three brothers. I got dozens of cousins, you know, and the right. whole family gets together constantly and big cookouts and barbecues. And, and you know, and I, I was always so curious about processes in cooking, right? It's like, well, why, why do I have to do this in this order? Why is that important, mm-hmm. you know? And, and culinary school for me was like,
0: oh (laughs) now i get
2: it right like i'm developing layers of flavor and i'm not gonna have that that punch in the mouth if i don't do this in the right order or the right texture of a braise or the right viscosity of a sauce or you know all those things are so important and you know balance and texture and and so culinary school was that for me and then going and having this experience in london was like next level shit i mean i at Ducos, uh, the restaurant that I was referencing, there were five restaurants at the hotel at that time. Three of them had Michelin stars, and I worked, I got to work in all of them. Wow. But um, they, this was kind of when molecular gastronomy was having a moment. Mm-hmm. And he, before even, it was a big deal in the United States. Um, and the chef that was there previously worked at El Bully and, you know, uh, Ferran Adri's acclaimed restaurant in Spain. And so he was kind of marrying this... Classical French technique with this modern, these modern techniques that I mean it just made my head explode. It was so cool, um, kind of watching that happen, and and uh, all around great experience. And then and to that kind of be a part of it, right? That's yeah, that's, that's yeah. A fly on the wall. Right. You know, I, I can't I can't take much well, no, I mean, credit yeah. for the success of that restaurant or anything like right. that. But it was an amazing experience, and I, I learned a lot. I learned how to respect food in a way that I didn't know before. Right. Um, and then, and then that led to my next job, which was at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York.
0: Really? Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. I, I worked there for a while. And it was, that was an amazing experience, too. It's a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Coming it, to America? I mean, right. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> Waldorf <welcome laughs> <to> Astoria. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, you know, and that, that, that place is, was a food factory. I mean, we did on average 5,000 hot meals a day. You know, and that's, that includes... How bank- many? 5,000. 5, well, they, they have 5,000 on staff. And it, most days, there's about 3,500 people there. So 5,000 the, on
0: staff? Yeah. Just in their culinary department? No, no, no. Oh, no, no the the hotel. The whole hotel. Housekeeping,
2: Still. maintenance, banquet staff. Yeah. That's insane. It, it's a city. It's an entire city block. It's the biggest kitchen in, on the island of Manhattan. It's the entire second floor of the building. And that the base of the building is one entire square city block. It's insane. Jesus. Yeah. There was 36 different function spaces. I mean, that place was absolutely crazy. Uh, and you, you know, I look, le- the, the big thing I learned,
0: how do you not get lost?
2: You do all the time. There's, <laughs> there are certain elevators, c- certain service elevators that only go to odd floors and some that only go to even floors. And you have to remember, it's like, Oh, well, the starlight room is on the, the 54th floor. And you get if you get on the Wrong the, o- the odd elevator, then all of a sudden you're like on the opposite end of the hotel and it's, you lose 20 minutes, you know, yeah. and you've got two big speed racks full of hot food that you're trying to get to an event. I mean, it's, it's insane, but it, there aren't many places on the planet, I would argue, that could do a 10-course plated dinner for 5,000 people in their grand ballroom. You know, I mean, maybe Vegas, some places in Vegas, but they're, not, they're people aren't even really doing that anymore. No. You know, they, the Waldorf sold a couple years ago and they're chopping it up into condos and they'll, yeah. they'll probably do big events and stuff, but not on the scale that they used to. I mean, I, after 07, 08, the whole landscape of that stuff changed. I mean, I remember I was there in 08. Things got scary. I mean, it was our biggest corporate ac- accounts were like Lehman Brothers, oh, Bear Jesus, Stearns. Right. You know, organizations that don't exist anymore. Right. You know, yep. And they were having their breakfast board meeting there every morning at yeah. like three hundred and fifty dollars a person. You know, what I mean, insane. Yeah, that's so. Learning how to do that kind of food, at on that scale, was a really really interesting experience. It was a great education. I mean, it really well, sure was.
0: makes Del Mar look like. Well, that's it. I mean, like walk that's in the it. Park. It's like if, if I need to set up a buffet to feed a couple thousand people, it's no problem. like,
2: I, I know how to do that. I just need, I just need a lot of staff. I just need, <laughs> I need some bodies, you know? I just need some bodies. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, a lot of twists and turns in my What got period. you to San Diego? My wife. My wife grew up in La Jolla. We, so after the Waldorf, again, 08 in New York was kind of a scary place. You yeah. Know, our food and beverage revenue was literally fifty percent what it was the previous year, Ooh. and so the writing was kind of on the wall, and Ooh. and so I started looking for a new opportunity. And I, I grew up going to Colorado a lot. I always told myself I was going to live there at some point in my life. I didn't know if it was going to be forever or not, but mm-hmm. I just, I love the mountains. I love hiking. I love fishing. I love skiing. I love you know anything I on you do in the mountains. I love it. And so um, I reached out to a mentor of mine, look you know saying I was kind of shopping around looking for a new opportunity and there was this new company uh, that was founded by the the guys that ran Ritz Carlton when Ritz Carlton sold the Marriott back in the early two thousands, all the executives were like, I'm not working for fucking Marriott. So right. they, they went off and started their own company. It was called West Paces hotel group. And they were just getting ready to open their first property in North America in Telluride, Colorado. And I got in touch with them. The chef called me up. He's, he liked my resume. We had a great two hour conversation on the phone. It was like I was talking to a friend of mine, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. We just kind of hit it off. And he offered me the position. I was still in New York. We'd never met, you know, never met face face to face to face. He's like, why don't you come help me open this hotel? So that's what I did. I packed up all my shit, which wasn't very much at that time. I was living in like a, you know, car shoebox in New York and Brooklyn and Williamsburg. And I moved to Telluride. I flew to Omaha where my parents were living at the time in Nebraska. And my dad drove me up there. I felt like I was getting dropped off for college again or something. (laughs) That's pretty cool. But it was great. Yeah. We opened that hotel in 2009 and, uh, I had a blast living in Telluride. Telluride is—it's my happy place. I mean, yeah. it really is. That's where I met my wife, and uh, she
0: Did she was go to a lawyer.
2: Uh, well, she actually went to high school in Telluride. Oh, okay. So when she was in kind of middle school, her parents decided that they wanted to kind of raise their kids in a small town environment. And really? So yeah. So they wow. they relocated to to Telluride. Cool. And she wasn't in high school when I met her. I met her when she was. <laughs> <college>. <laughs> she was she was back visiting one summer. She was going to Westmont in Montecito and Santa Barbara and she was visiting it was like the first week in the summer. And we met that summer and she ended up staying for the rest of the summer. And, and then she went back and finished college and then I moved back to New York. I went from New York to Telluride back to New York City because the same company that I worked for in Telluride was opening their new flagship hotel in Midtown Manhattan. 36th and Fifth Avenue is called the Satai Fifth Avenue Hotel. Now it's called the Langham Fifth Avenue. Um, but that's a whole. When thing.
0: along this journey did you get the entrepreneurial bug? To up you know i restaurant. think i've
2: always kind of had it i my my dad's an entrepreneur both my grandfathers were entrepreneurs i mean i i i kind of hit this point in my career after i opened the hotel in new york where i was like you know i'm kind of tired of killing myself for other people mm-hmm. you know I, I wouldn't say that i was so arrogant to be like i've already learned everything i need to know I'm, i want to go work for myself now it was more like you know, I'm I'm killing myself. I mean, literally when I opened the hotel in New York, I was working 100 hours a week. I I went 3 months without taking a single day off, you know? I mean, I was I was absolutely fried at the end of that. Sure. Now I learned a ton. I mean, we worked with 98 different vendors. We had a Michelin star hotel in the or a restaurant in the hotel. We had 24-hour in-room dining. We had banquets. I mean, it was it was a 24/7 gig, 365. I mean, the hotel never closed, you know. And so, you know, just grinding that out you know, I, I was like, I'm, I'm tired of working this hard for somebody else. Yeah, I want to work this hard for myself, you know, and I didn't I didn't have a vision of what I wanted to do. I didn't have that epitome of I'm going to go do this because I know I'm going to kill it. And this yeah. is where my comfort zone is You know, forever. I used to just daydream about concepts. So I want to open up Asian fusion. I want to open up a barbecue joint. I want to do a steakhouse. And I want to do it right with the dry aging room. And, that, <clears throat> you know, all this stuff that I've learned and all this stuff I've been exposed to and all this stuff that I've seen that I'm passionate about. You know, I was kind of schizophrenic and, you know, now now my the way I look at deals and the way I look at new projects, I back into it. You know, I look for a great location I, and I check out the neighborhood and see if it's an area that I want to be in and invest in. And, you know, if it's a demographic that I think that I can cater to that I understand. And then I when I find that space, then I say, OK, what makes the most sense here? You know, yeah. I, back, I totally back into it. I say, you know what? I think the corner draft house is the right concept for this area. There's nothing casual. There's nobody doing really craft beer. And I know that if I really put a lot of thought and effort into this food, we could probably surprise some people. You know, I, I feel like a lot of craft beer places in San Diego. Sometimes the food's kind of an afterthought, you know, it's like, I want people to come in here and exceed their expectations. And so my, my business partner, Dave and I, he's, he's also owns the beer garden in Encinitas. I, I can't take all the credit. I mean, I, he, he, he and I are, are great friends and great business partners, and we kind of have complementary skill sets. His background's kind of construction, and that's, that's one of my blind spots. I mean, mm-hmm. that was one of the, my biggest hurdles in opening a restaurant. It's like, man, I'd, I've heard horror stories about people losing their asses during construction, permitting yep. with the city. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's really, really where a lot of his strengths lie. And so, you know, it was, it was a very short conversation when we decided what concept we were going to do. It was like, man, it totally makes sense. There's nothing casual. There's no place where mm-hmm. you can take a group of people for brunch or go sit by yourself at the bar and have a burger and watch a game or take a date, you know, have a date night. Or- and it's not just, I mean,
1: some craft beer. I mean, you have 70 taps, right? 70
2: taps. That's right. 70 yeah. taps. Yeah.
1: And you guys are open. Is your food open the whole time while you're? Uh,
2: well, our our, hours? our full kitchen is, is open till 10. Okay. And then on Friday and Saturday night, we... we Keep the kitchen open, serving a late night menu till eleven o'clock. Okay, and, and then then, it, that, then the store closes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. we're not a late night spot. Cool. Um, our liquor license only allows us to go to twelve. But if it was two, I don't know if we would even stay open till two. Yeah, we, yeah I mean, it's like my dad we, says, we nothing. This. Nothing good happens after midnight. That's right? what I mean. Cinderella. Well, Snyder, that was his, yeah. When nothing you good We quote that all the time. He's all like, the time.
1: Everyone turns into pumpkins. That's get right. the fuck home.
2: Yeah. I'm like, the liability is not no. worth that extra five six hundred dollars in revenue you're going to sell. Yeah. You know, it's it never like,
1: made sense until I realized I was the problem. <laughs> midnight, like, Once oh, you no. looked in the mirror, yeah, like, good, it's you know. one a.m. <laughs> you ain't what lying. What am I doing? You ain't lying. Yeah, we got kicked out of Aggieville <clears throat> for the football team. Uh, my junior year, we weren't allowed allowed in Aggieville at all. That and, takes uh,
2: some serious effort to get banned from Aggieville. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've ever even heard of that happening. <laughs> we were really, really,
1: really good at um, drinking and doing bad things, and uh, yeah, Coach, just like you're, you're, it wasn't, it wasn't anyone like. The police or oh, anything. It was our coach. Was like, I was going to no. say, the business
2: has probably missed you guys. <laughs> um, well, don't kid yourself. I was still there. <laughs> I was like, if you guys see
1: anyone in football, just tell me to go hide out, hide in the kitchen and stuff.
2: Um, I
0: don't know how you hide in the woods, but you're, you're not very, you're pre- it's pretty easy to see when Derek's coming. No,
1: it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm nifty, dude. I'm nifty. I'm nifty. No, but it was, uh, you know, we got banned and we would, uh, you know, we were, we were all star drinkers out there in good old Aggieville. It was cool. That's awesome. So you got 70 taps. 70 taps. You have your foods open. You're on year four. No, we just celebrated our second anniversary. Second, second anniversary. And what, what, what are we looking for? Like what's, what's our
2: corner draft house? Where's our vision? What are we doing? So, you know, we constantly try and get better. I mean, that's, that is the goal every day, every week, every month, every year. How can we improve? How can we get better? I mean, we just had a meeting this week. We met with our general manager and our executive chef. You know, we have a, a really solid crew that runs that place. I mean, our, our goal going into it was to be owners, not operators. And and it took me a while till I really felt like I reached that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and my business partner really preached this a lot. You know, it's like we need to work on the business, not in the business. Right. And and I, I feel like the first year I really lived it. I mean, I, w- I was the executive chef. I was in there every day, almost every day, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, really you know, putting all the blood, sweat and tears into it, trying to set that bar where this is what the standard is. It's going to be like this or, mm-hmm. you know, we got to make a change kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, our, our opening staff, I mean, it was, we still have quite a few people that opened that restaurant with us, which yeah. isn't incredible. Cause that, you know, you guys know how high the Turnover's turnover rate is in our industry. It's brutal sure. and it's so expensive interviewing in and Hiring and training and firing, you know, and unbelievable. it consumes time. It consumes resources. It's frustrating and, it, and it's disruptive to the business because, yeah. you know, you have someone that, you you know, maybe it's their first night serving and they don't have a lot of confidence and you have you, every day you have new people walking in your restaurant as guests. You want yep. them to have the best experience possible every time. So, I mean, the the being able to kind of stay, take a step back now and really work on the business, you know, some one goal that we set for ourselves this year is we want to start Having beer dinners where we're partnering with breweries and they're coming in and we're featuring some of their experimental stuff and we're going to pair it with our food and it's, a, you know, multi-course dinner kind of thing that we sell tickets to and it's something that, you know, we don't, it's not something we're doing to make a lot of money on, but it's right. something to provide a new experience for our guests and we have such a loyal local following in Bankers Hill and Hillcrest and some of the surrounding areas. I mean, it's, it's most nights it's like Cheers Bar walking in there. You, know? you guys I mean, have I've, done a phenomenal job.
0: Yeah, and, they, and a that's... Phenomenal
2: job. And that, I give all the credit to our front of house staff. I mean, we've certainly fostered a lot of relationships with people in the area. But, you know, they, they know everybody's name that walks through the door. And they know mm-hmm. what their favorite drink is. And they know what style of beer that they like. And if we just get a new, you know, hazy IP, IPA and Rich is coming in. And you're like, hey, Rich, we just got this new hazy IPA. It's great. You know, you got to try it. Rich is like, oh, that's awesome. You know, that extra step, that extra touch of hospitality. I mean, that is... It makes or breaks you, it really does. I've, especially in this economy. I've lived
0: in Bankers Hill since two thousand and six and I've watched, I believe, two different restaurants. One of them was a French restaurant, another one I don't remember. But the way that it was so secluded and it was so stuffy, you guys opened everything up. You opened it up and yes, you're on the corner and you celebrate the fact that you're on the corner. You're across you like, you're right by Balboa Park. I mean you're Literally an anchor within the village, letting everyone know, hey, this is a spot you got to come and not only have great beer, but have great food. Yeah. You know, and that was something for us getting into the restaurant business. So many sports bars were serving shitty food. Yeah. We're like, why can't we just have great food and also have the game on in high def? Right. Right. Why can't that happen? And, you know, fortunate for us, we were able to make that happen here in Spring Valley. But what you guys have done in Bankers Hill is so cool because it's so different and unique.
2: Yeah, you know, I, and again I gave my I gave my business partner Dave a lot of credit. I mean, we we got into a bit of a dust up with the homeowners association upstairs about <laughs> about about this. That's ad- the dirtiest
0: word you've ever said. <laughs> yeah. It's the dirtiest thing you can say on this podcast. Well, I mean, it, it was it was it was a real challenge.
2: I mean, we 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 bought the French restaurant,
0: uh-huh. right,
2: because we saw a lot of potential. Again, there was nothing casual in the area. Nothing. It's a very, it's a good demographic. People have money. You know, they, they go they out to eat a build, lot. They're they,
0: building shitload more condos. It's
2: incredible the amount of residential construction is going mm-hmm. on down there. I, Fifth Avenue is going to look like India Street yep. in five years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but
2: one of the big things that we were excited about was this ability to use these patios. You know, the patio that was existing, and then we added two sidewalk patios on yep. Fifth Avenue and on Laurel. And so we got into the kind of this dust up with the Homeowners Association and, and it delayed our start date about five months, Ooh. which, you know, the luckily the French restaurant was still operating at the time and, you know, we hadn't closed the deal yet. And so what it really did was it bought Dave and I a lot of time to really plan it out and say, you know what, all right, I want this area to have this kind of feel. We're going to do lower seating with comfortable booths where people can go. And then we're going to have these big high top community tables where groups of people can come in and hang out. and or we had we had this lower area with this great big, beautiful tamarindo wood table where you know you can have private parties and then and and Dave and I I mean and a group of people we built that whole thing out you mm-hmm. know we, we didn't really work with a whole lot of subcontractors and and that's Dave's background he's a, he's he's a GC I mean mm-hmm. he knows he literally I brought it I brought a, lot, a few ideas to him and and he was the one that's like figured out how to do it you know and and finding the cool light fixtures that you can't just go buy at Home Depot and. You know, all, all those little touches, that attention to detail that, that really creates that atmosphere. I mean, that's it takes a lot of time and research and doing the legwork and the grunt work. You know, I, my wife's an interior designer. So I there were a lot of things that I'd shoot her a picture and be like, you know, is this a good idea? You know, is this <laughs> a smart this, idea? You're a smart work? man getting yeah. your wife involved. Get her involved on the front end and not right. the back end. Exactly. What the fuck yeah, did yeah. you
0: do? This looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: she is my harshest critic. And I, I am grateful for it because, you know, you got, there are a lot of people out there that'll just tell you what you you know they think you want to hear, and she'll be the first one to be like, "That's not right." Right, I, mean, I know you can do better than that. You know, it's like well, transparency is right. huge. Yeah, you know, when you can actually
1: have someone that's you know they're not saying it just to be a dick, right? But they're like really trying to like, no, no, that doesn't that doesn't fit. It doesn't yeah. work. You're, you're, it's not working. Those are the things that help you you grow. That's and right. Hear about you talk about how much effort you guys put into the the out the you know putting you know, the, the chairs and the tables and lows and highs and all those things. It's, it's really cool because Sean and I were, we're doing a new venture should be doing a new venture here soon. We'll see. (laughs) It's low Um, and slow venture. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Those details, the attention to details are what sets you apart and what you talked about earlier about the cheers, you know, how everyone knows your, your customer and you're talking, that's the only thing that we have as independents that sets us apart from these commodity places. That right. we care so much about the experience. Yeah, I don't think we talk about anything more on this podcast than we do about creating an experience and when you come into someone's place. So as an entrepreneur, if you're going out and you're looking to get you know new store, <clears throat> restaurant, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, you have to do something that sets you apart from everybody else, and you have to create that experience that people want to be at your establishment. You're doing that, and that's just that's just awesome. I mean, we, we're we're proud of you, man. That's really I really cool. It, yeah.
0: So why someone that's running your new business, why are you crazy enough to get involved with barbecue competitions? Is it the bug? Is it the, is you just can't get away from the Kansas city?
2: You know, it's, it's, I took about a decade off when I was, you know, cooking professionally. Oh, you it's,
0: didn't have any time in the hundred yeah, hour work week? week. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's. Add a couple slow smokes If I, had a, if I had a weekend <laughs> off
2: in there, I probably wasn't going to go stay up all night and cook. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um but definitely the bug man you know it's it's competing it's you know you you have your friends over you have your family over you smoke some ribs oh those are the best ribs i've ever had in the back of my mind i'm like i, I don't know if those are you know yeah. it's like i want to go compete i want to go put my ribs up against the the guys that do this 26 weekends out of the year yeah. and they have the hardware store in their you know in their trophy case Correct. at home and the you know and it, and it it's it's always frustrating right you always get your hopes up and you're like oh i I know i placed this year i definitely placed it doesn't
0: matter how well you did in a one category when you get in some other category like damn it yeah like we fucked that up i wish i didn't fuck that totally (laughs) yeah
2: so i mean it's 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 total heartbreak but you know you get that one call it's like all of it's worth it yeah right and and this year the way you guys structured people's choice I, you know, I was really excited about it to see what it was like. I mean, like we were saying before, it's like to to be able to provide that competition barbecue experience for the general public that maybe didn't grow up in Kansas City with their backyard being one of the best barbecue competitions in the country. You know, it's like I I love I'm barbecue is something that I'm passionate about. And it's something that I love, you know, and and I I I can't speak to Cali Comfort's barbecue. Mm -hmm. I've been to Grand Old Barbecue Asado. I've not been to Corbin's. I've been to Coop's. I've been to that boy good up in Oceanside. I've been to Brett's barbecue in, in Encinitas. I've, you know, I've, I've been to Phil's. I, you know, I've eaten at just about every barbecue restaurant in San Diego and I have not found one that I absolutely love yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm stoked to come try Cali comfort out. I, I'm sorry to say I haven't been there. We don't make it out this direction super often because we live up in Encinitas and work downtown or whatever. But, um, you know, for, for me, it's it's always about going out and trying it and finding new places. And I want to see what people are doing and I want to, you know, get excited about it. You know, I yeah. I love the pulled pork at that boy. Good. You right. know, he's Mark up there. He's doing a great job. And and he did a lot with a little, which, you know, I think is is a great approach when it comes to starting a business and opening a business. Um, but part of it for me, I you know, I keep coming back to barbecue. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I'm coming home. Right. right. Like <laughs> it's it's kind of kind of how I got into food in the first place, it's, you know,
0: I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's something, it's a craft that tests you mentally, physically, it brings, it forces you to bring in friends, yeah. forces you to bring in family. And it, you know, it, it's one of those things we go through that, you know, Del Mar barbecue weekend and you learn so much, not just about other people, but about yourself, yeah. about what kind of stress and what kind of shit can you deal with? But once you get out on the other side, you're like, holy fuck, that was amazing. You know, yeah. like how cool was that? And, you know, celebrating those little moments along the way and not freaking out like I used to do back, you know, when we first started doing the amateur contest. Like, yeah. oh, fuck, this person's yelling and screaming at me. I think we should probably stop doing this. But
2: Well, and barbecue is such a personal thing. Yeah. You know, I I should, I should, have, I should preface my comment about the fact that I haven't found barbecue that I love in San Diego yet with the fact that I'm an enormous barbecue snob. Right. <laughs> and I think that my whole thing is like it's an emotional thing, barbecue. It's a very personal thing. My barbecue is my style of barbecue. Right. You know, maybe I use a little bit more pepper than than Derek does, or mm-hmm. maybe I use a blend of wood that Sean doesn't use, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's my interpretation of what barbecue is. It's a very personal thing. Yeah, it's a very subjective thing. You, you can, we talked about
1: it at the competition, how yeah. this West Coast, the palate's just a little bit different. You don't, they don't want too much smoke and they want right. it a little bit sweeter than yep, what yep. the other places do. And it's just, you have to you can either do one of two things. You can say "fuck you" like Andy does. This is my barbecue. And this is how I'm, I'm gonna serve gonna it. it. If or you be... don't like it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Which I love Andy and yeah. <laughs> he does an amazing job. Um, I do. I, I enjoy his barbecue. Um, or you can kind of cater to the masses. Right. Uh, we tend to cater to the masses here. We, right. we 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 cook on old old hickories. Like Sean, Sean got us into the old hickories, and um,
2: these you know, are do, great
1: cookers. Yeah, do a little bit uh, a little bit sweeter sauce than than what other people do. It's okay. You just got to figure out what you like and what other people like and then go from there. But is this leading into something? I mean, you're talking about how you, you love barbecue, you (laughs) have this restaurant, you have (laughs) getting them on record. I mean, are you, is that where we're going? Is that, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but is that something that you would want in the future?
2: I'm I'm enough of a masochist to say <laughs> yes, I would I would, club. <laughs> I, I would love to open up a barbecue joint eat, but I can't commit to saying that it's going to happen in the next year or 5 when, years yeah, you know yeah. I'm I am currently shopping for uh, Would you
0: be surprised if you didn't open up a barbecue shop? I would. Yeah. 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 I think it's more fair.
2: You know, and I've played around a few with a few different ideas, you know, maybe just starting doing like some catering pop up stuff and, you know, maybe kind of building a little following that way doing specifically barbecue, but like I said, Students I mean, spring it,
0: Valley tailgate and barbecue festival. I'd love to come out and do oh, that. Right. You've right. You've already now, been signed up. I know. I know. I, yeah. I, I just, just, I just signed you up. On I just sent out a text uh, to my whole crew
2: and like everybody's out of town that weekend. So yeah. I'm going to round up some bodies to come help me. But I, I do want to come check that event out and work that event. It looks like a lot of fun, but you know, like I was saying before, I mean, I am a businessman, right? And I, I, the restaurant business is hard enough without trying to force a concept or force, something that doesn't you know, you're not you don't have that like the feeling in your gut, like this is it. This is right. going to be a home run. It's like yeah. if you're going to commit to something, you better have your ducks in a row and you better have a good plan going into it or else you get smoked. I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. Three out of five fail in the first year. Right. Oh, yeah. Ninety percent don't make it to the third. I yep. mean, It's it is a tough, tough business. and yeah. And so, you know, to say it's like, OK, there's this great location, but Barbecue doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do barbecue. Yeah. You know, what I mean, that's that's. And you have to be bottom. smart
1: about it. You have to make sure you're doing the right thing. And I know, you know, Sam, the cooking guy, what he would always say is like, you know, when sometimes when people go out to an Italian restaurant, they're like, oh my god, babe, your your lasagna is so much better than this. Yeah, it's a lot different when you got to cook for the masses. Right. And, yep. and barbecue is something that's so so intimate that you have to get it. I mean, when you pull that brisket off, if you try to rewarm it, it's not gonna it's not gonna be the same. You have to make sure that it comes off. And people are eating it right then. Yeah, sure. um, same thing with your tri tips, your know, pulled porks. It's it's a very intimate thing, so it's it's hard to make sure that it's all the timings right and all that stuff. So you know, a lot of people, the way I would cook, if I can cook my best brisket ever, is not the way I cook my brisket for the masses here. Right, it's just not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the time to to tend to it to do all those intricate things that I would do. Yeah. You know, but we we cook an amazing brisket. We cook a wagyu brisket on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's uh, going over well. So it's it's just a little bit different. But cooking for the masses is just a complete different game than what you're doing for a competition. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else. Competition style barbecue wouldn't make it. No, for for a restaurant, it just won't. It's the, no. the palate's different. It's it's it wouldn't. The KCBA, K, KCBS judges what um, they're taught to their criteria isn't what the demographic that you're, that you have around you is going to want. I mean, so. we,
0: we talked to Mike Mills when we were out at national barbecue association. He told us, you know, he's won world championships and he's like, there's no way we're going to serve that at 17th street barbecue. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen because it's a different style of barbecue. Well,
2: Which, and there's, there's so many different regional styles too, right? Yep. I mean, I, I've, I've had the unique opportunity you know i lived in the south for a while when i was in the carolinas and got to try you the great thing about charlotte is that you're like a couple hours away from so many different cities you run up to Asheville, down to atlanta go to savannah go up to dc you know charleston that whole that whole region and every every region in that area has a different style of barbecue you know east carolina versus west carolina and georgia and mississippi and even northern florida but uh and then you know my folks lived in texas for a while so i've eaten everywhere in Austin and outside Austin, you know, Franklin's and Crits Market. And, and then, of course, growing up in Kansas City and I've spent a little time in Nashville and Memphis. And, you know, I've I've eaten at all the big joints and, you know, and they are so different. Yeah. And depending on what you're either the way you're brought up from what region you grew up in or what you were exposed to at an early age, you know, that really kind of determines what you you think barbecue is. Yep. You know, do you have devil, do you have hard boiled eggs in your potato salad or not? You know, is there meat in your beans or not? Is there, you know, is it like a Texas style bean or it's more like a chili or is it right. Kansas City style bean where it's like got 25 pounds of brown sugar and molasses in it and three different kinds of meat? Yeah.
1: No, it's it's true. I mean, the way I got really into barbecue, I mean, my dad did it forever and I actually hated it, but when going out to Kansas Kansas and going to Oklahoma Joe's have in there, i like, uh, I told the no. story, but
2: I have dreams about the Z Man, yeah, that's, right? That's, that's, Z-Man. Was <laughs> so that, uh, that's so our good. first stop from the airport Amazing. every time we fly into kids, it's...
1: yeah. So we, uh, we were going there. My buddy's like, Yeah, it's right over here. I'm like, Well, you don't need gas, why are you stopping <laughs> at a gas station? You know, he's like, Oh, no, it's right. I'm like, Oh, that line that we have to get in, you know, yeah, but it's so good, but that's where my mind goes when I think about barbecue. It's because yeah. that's what's intimate to me. And that's what yeah. I am like. Oh, that's what kind of changed my perception on barbecue. Yeah. My dad did it when he would smoke. It was a lot heavier smoke. They cook on old hickories. Right. And it's not as heavy with smoke and it's a little bit sweet, but it's got that spice to it. The pepper. And it's right. Absolutely amazing. I, I love Oklahoma Joe's. Jeff is. Uh, okay, I'm Kansas sorry. City Kansas City. Kansas Joe's. Kansas, KC Joe's. KC now. Joe's. Kansas Jesus, Jesus Joe's. Christ. Jeff yeah.
2: Staney is a, is a phenomenal businessman and a great, a great cook. I mean, he, he started on the barbecue circuit. His team slaughterhouse five yep. was one of like the most winningest teams Absolutely. for a few years
0: back in the day. They have all those old photos up there. at yeah. so rad. Yeah. yeah.
2: And he, he started actually at the Lenexa barbecue. That was, that was his first it's competition. He it. Um, but you know, and then he, and he had a kind of a different path. He worked for us foods for years. He was, he did sales for those guys. And so he kind of had a unique perspective too, understanding kind of the vendor side of things and understanding where if, where product comes from and sure. the importance of starting with the best quality product. Um, you know, he'll preach about that all day. Right.
0: Well, for us, we, uh, we appreciate you coming in before Derek heads out on his, uh, his, his hunt, um, coming in to talk to us about your Del Mar experience. Uh, you guys were very, very, it was so cool to watch you and your team work the way that you did and, you know, embrace the process um, get excited about not at him. first. Not at first. He they
1: bitched and complained <laughs>
0: at first, but we got him on board. I was wondering <laughs> if you're going to bring that up too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring shit up. I, these are my K State guys. I got it. I got them. They're on board. So now. they weren't they weren't on board with the QR yeah, code. They, they weren't the, on board with the QR code. code. So we, we had made, U.S. We made, foods. We, we had like, like, U.S. US did, foods. Scott Bolt, Scott Bolby, the president <laughs> of San Diego Division, went out of his way to. Bring in the IT department <laughs> to work with Corey and work with myself and to come up with a way to make people's choice easier and more in the digital age. It's 2018. Yeah. You know, how can we make this you know, a better experience for voting? Right. So we got this QR code. We got things printed. Pepsi helps us print signs. And turns out it was great for some people and not so great for other people. I in the beginning, we, we you, educate more. Yeah, we can do a better job of educating. Correct. I agree with but that. Once that's
1: done, it's going to be a fucking home run. Well, I because think there's going to be a lot of so I think quick. there's
0: going to be a lot of KCBS, not just KCBS comps, but a lot of other events that will want to use this app because it was, yeah. it was so fucking easy. And they yeah. fucking won. And they Bingo. we have a, we have a, a woman today. She's coming to pick up the Minimax grill. Uh, she won a Minimax $600 grill just nice. because she was voting. Oh, from the yeah, Green participating. Green yeah, Green yeah, a. yeah. yeah. Donated, so, wow. She's stoked. Yeah, yeah she's stoked. Um, we're stoked. We, uh, we appreciate you coming out here and we appreciate you. Miranda, our photographer, got some epic photos of Dude, you she's and so your team. Good. God, she's she is good. fucking good. Do you know how many followers she has on, on Snapchat, Corey? Snapchat? How many? No, I'm talking about Snapchat. 100,000 fucking followers on Snapchat. Yeah, I just taught Corey something about that. Boom. That, yeah, you don't do Snapchat. She does, apparently, in Coachella and she's got mad followers. She's got amazing stuff, but uh social shout out this week's going to Char BBQ SD, Patrick Williams. Um, he's been following the podcast, tagging us in his behind the smoke photos. I met him up at Vista. He came and said, what's up to me and Derek at the event. He shot us a DM um, always at those events. It's always crazy, but we appreciate you guys for stopping us and saying, hey, slow the fuck down. Listen to the podcast. Say what's up. Um, that means a lot to us and. He's posting photos about his uh, hand wash sink, and he was really proud of it. And I said, that's the <laughs> sexiest photo I've ever seen. We're, we've got that weird, like, oh, I, j- I just built a hand wash sink. Like, why am I so excited about that? Hey, we're fucking excited that you bought that hill hand wash sink. <laughs> Absolutely. <That's cool. laughs> so uh, congrats to him, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for coming out. Come out yeah, thanks to for uh, having me, guys. We'll get the Spring Valley Barbecue Festival, all the registration forms up, hopefully, uh, after Labor Day. So. Sweet. Make it happen. We'll see ya. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved.